first let me say, bienvenidos, and Dios es bueno. We have a couple of visitors this morning that speak only Spanish, and I learned all 20 words that I know on Sesame Street, and so that runs out rather quickly. But uh, uh, we are gracias for being here today. Uh, we are continuing our study on the fruit of the Spirit, and this week we're going to talk about joy. We talked about love last week. We had an introductory lesson two weeks ago that we called anatomy lesson uh, that I think was the hope was to lay the groundwork for the further discussion. So, fruit of the Spirit, joy. Joy is a pleasant, positive emotion. And I got two pictures up here that I think we all would recognize are showing joy. In this first one, uh, somebody in the service has come home. If you've seen video of that happening up at Fort Campbell or anywhere else, it's always humorous because the person who's back has to brace themselves because here comes a missile that's about to knock them over because the individual who's been home is so happy to see the person that has been bombed. And so here this uh, woman is about to try to squeeze her man to death. Uh, he survived being deployed, but he may not survive being back home. And then this other one, uh, depending on your age, that one also is an image of joy. When you think about uh, this, right, these two young ladies are looking at some sort of present. Uh, I don't know about you, but I always like presents. Uh, cookies are real good as well, but presents. And so images of joy, these are in fact images of joy. I would suggest to you that these joyful feelings, this joy that's present in these pictures is different than the type of joy we, as members of God's family, should experience and have. This joy that you see in these pictures is coming from something outside. The two young ladies are experiencing joy because they may not know what's in the box, or maybe they do and they can't wait to get what's in the box in the present. And obviously it's the return of the, the, the husband, the, the spouse who has been missing on the return that is generating all the joy. I probably suspect that woman wasn't looking as joyful three or four months before. It's the return that's generated the joy. An external event generating joy. And that, that happens a lot with us. Somebody surprises us by doing something nice or bringing something and we suddenly have joy, but it's an external joy. I want us to look and to think through joy as it's mentioned here as the fruit of the Spirit. Because I believe, like the other characteristics that we will be studying, that that's supposed to come more inside out rather than outside in. Let's talk about joy in the Bible. In the Bible, joy is promised. Joy is promised to everyone. Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. When Jesus is being born, the heavenly host, the angels appear to shepherds out in the field and announce not only the birth, but what a wonderful promise. This good news of Jesus' coming to the earth is great news, good news of great joy. And if you haven't yet read the wonderful book that Laws put together, <clears throat> The Weary World Rejoices, great study of what the birth of Jesus really should mean to all of us. Uh, I would like to encourage you to get that. Uh, 
It's, it's a wonderful resource. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's also good news because if somebody can do it, can tell you all about it, it's right here with us this morning, and we can get that sent out. The weary world rejoices. The world is weary, and it needs a source of joy. And that joy for the weary world is because of the arrival of Jesus. God sent Jesus in for many reasons, but a big primary reason was to bring joy to the world. We even sing the song, right, Evan? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world. Joy comes. In fact, joy came. Matthew 2.10, the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The wise men wanted to know who was born king of the Jews. Great joy at the birth of Jesus. Look at the other end of the life of Jesus in Luke 24, verse 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Here the disciples had just been out on the mountain and Jesus was taken away from their sight and disappeared up into the clouds, up into the heavens. And they returned from seeing this incredible event to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, may that be all of our lives, right? I assume when any of us were born, it was great joy, certainly, with mom and dad. Mom, because you were finally here. But there's a, a new birth. We rejoice at a new birth. Most of the time, we don't rejoice when somebody is taken away from us. It's a sad event. Here, Jesus has returned back to the Father. And they go back to Jerusalem with great joy. Great joy at his arrival and great joy at his departure. We have joy in Jesus as members of God's family for a very, very important, crucial reason. Because as members of God's family, we are saved. When Jesus came, he was named Jesus because he was going to bring forgiveness of sins for his people. The name is, is the idea of a Savior. He is a Savior. What's He saved us from? He hasn't saved us necessarily from disease. Certainly hasn't saved us from the, the troubles of aging. He hasn't saved us from much of what may happen here in the day today. But the important thing Jesus has saved us from are our own choices and the consequences of them. He saved us from our sins. Look here at Acts 8. Verses 35-39. Acts 8, 35-39. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, which had been in Isaiah, he told him the good news about Jesus. Who's the him? This is the Ethiopian who had been sitting in his chariot reading from the text. This Ethiopian is a black man. Philip goes up and speaks to the Ethiopian at the Spirit's urging, the Spirit's direction, and tells him about Jesus and telling him the good news about Jesus, as they, Philip and the Ethiopian, were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch, the Ethiopian, said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, leaving the Ethiopian man by himself, and the eunuch saw him no more and did what? Look at it. 
went on his way rejoicing. There's only really two possible reasons why the, the Ethiopian eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. One might be that he finally had an answer to his question about the text of who is the man that this writer is speaking about. Tell me, he asked him, Philip, who, of who is this man speaking? Is it himself or somebody else? And he now knows the answer that Isaiah was speaking about Jesus, but I don't really believe that's the reason the Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing. I, I like to have intellectual questions answered perhaps as much as anybody might. Finding an answer, that's why trivia is so interesting sometimes. But that's not the important part of this passage. The important part of this passage is by teaching him Jesus, he knew that there was water and he needed to be baptized. There was no urgent need to be baptized before he heard about Jesus. He'd been sitting in the chariot. Could have been baptized that morning if he had gone by some water the day before any of these previous days of his life. He hears about Jesus and what Philip teaches him about Jesus. And as they're going on, he said, wait, here's water. Is there anything that stops me from doing what he had to have just heard from Philip to be baptized? And after they go down into the water and Philip baptizes the eunuch, and Philip leaves, the Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing, being full of joy. That's a very, very important reason that we should be joyful because Jesus came to save sinners. All of us have been sinners and continue to sin, even as members of God's family. Forgiveness comes through Jesus. Joy is also promised to those who abide in God. Back to John 15, 10 through 11. Jesus here speaking says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus says, that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. If we abide in Jesus, if we abide in God, and we love Jesus, and we love God, and we keep His commandments, knowing that we won't keep them perfectly, but that's our focus. We want to do what God and Jesus want us to do. We should be full of joy because Jesus came to the earth to save us. Joy is found is the key difference, I think, between the joy we should have and the joy everyone can experience. Joy is found within from the Spirit. This is in Romans 14, 17, Paul writing to the Romans. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy from where? In the Holy Spirit. Well, one reason we talked about the anatomy lesson two weeks ago is because when we become members of God's family, the Holy Spirit is given to us by God as a down payment. Remember talking about that? It's a down payment, it's a guarantee, it's a promise that what we are beginning to experience with the Spirit dwelling within us is merely the first step in what's going to be revealed when we go home to live with God. The Spirit dwelling within us is a guarantee, a promise, a down payment of the incredible joy that is to come. And joy in the Holy Spirit is going to come because the Holy Spirit is within me. And so that joy is going to be found 
where the Spirit is dwelling within me. Joy in a member of God's family comes from the inside. We can still have joy when somebody brings us a present or when somebody we haven't seen in a long time comes home, but joy needs to be coming as a member of his family from within. Strangely, as a member of God's family, sometimes we need joy or should show joy even in times of trouble and suffering. In Acts 5, 40 and 41, here a couple of the apostles have been called before the Jewish ruling council of the Sanhedrin and have really been given, we might say here in the South, what for, uh, doing the stuff that they didn't want them to be doing. And the Jewish leaders here called the apostles in, they beat them. They didn't just fuss at them, they took some rods and whacked them upside the head or perhaps on the rear. That's where, usually, that's where it usually was applied. They got whacked with these rods, they were beaten. And they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus again, and then they let them go. Why were they beaten? Why were they in this kind of trouble? Because they had been speaking about Jesus and telling people the good news about Jesus and what people needed to do in order to become a member of God's family. Look at verse 41. The apostles left the meeting. I don't know about you. I would not call that meeting. Right? Meetings might not be fun. If you have a lot of those, if you're in a working environment where you have meetings, I wouldn't call a meeting where I've been beat. Sometimes a meeting may beat you down, but this is different. They've left this gathering where they were just beaten. They left this meeting full of joy. Full of joy. They just got smacked upside the head, upside the rear, wherever it was. They were just beaten. And they walk out full of joy. Why? Because they were given the honor of suffering this grace for Jesus. That joy didn't come from the outside. The, the beating didn't give them joy. The joy came from the inside, even in circumstances that most of us probably were trying to avoid. The beating, look, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but I suspect every one of us here got a switch or a paddle or a belt or some sort of punishment growing up. That just didn't disappear at the moment mom or dad quit switching on me. I, I felt it for a while, right? So that's not a joy. It may be joyful when they quit smacking you again. That's outside, something being done to me. Here, they are not feeling very happy. They're not feeling very good. And yet they leave full of joy because they were counted worthy of suffering because of the disgrace they felt they were pointed at that was given to them for being witnesses of Jesus. Another example of that, Acts 16, 25. Paul and Silas are in jail in Philippi. And some of us may remember the picture I showed, supposedly of the jail, they tried to tell you Paul and Silas were in. It wouldn't have held a, a large pig, much less two people and other prisoners. It's kind of George Washington slept here over in Philippi. Be careful if you ever go visiting the country to see places that happened with the Bible associated with it. Paul and Silas are in jail. They have been jailed because they weren't listened to by the rulers of Philippi. They had been beaten, and they're sitting on their rear ends in stocks, and they had been beaten on their rear ends. They are not feeling very happy physically. And about midnight, what are they doing? They could have been crying and sobbing, why did we ever get into this mess? We should never have come to Philippi. I bet people back home are in a soft, 
all sorts of reasons why they might not feel happy. But they were praying and singing songs to God as the other prisoners listened. They are showing joy. They are showing love for God, even in circumstances where they have been physically beaten, and they're sitting in jail with stocks and locks put on them so that they cannot escape. That seems pretty tough to me. I haven't been beaten in the last week. I don't. Hopefully, no one else in here has. But they were beaten. In these examples, they were not given any external reasons to be feeling full of joy. And that the Bible indicates they were joyful. Sometimes we just need to be able to show joy to members of God's family, even in times of pain and suffering. How do you do that? You cannot do it if joy comes from outside circumstances. You know, picture again the two girls with the, the Christmas or birthday present or whatever circumstance. That outside event is really the reason they're full of joy. That return of the service man is the reason the woman appears to be full of joy. You're not going to feel joy after having been beat. You're not going to feel joy many times because of things you might suffer because you're a follower of Jesus. Suffer and joy just don't seem to be words that ought to go together. They don't seem like they should belong together, but they often do for a member of God's family. Look at James 1-2. James says, count it all joy, view it as all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. You know, if it's up to me, I'll say, I'll tell you what, just keep those trials over there. Uh, I want to have a nice quiet day. I, I don't need any patience today if it means going through trials, going through problems. James says, look at it as a good thing when trials come. Look at, it as, look at it as a joyful thing, a happy thing. Even if you have trouble, if you have trials, if you have things that are not going right, testing you, because meeting that kind of circumstance in the right way produces patience, which we're going to talk about next week. Romans 5.3, Paul here writes, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. What kind of, pardon me here, Nonsense does that sound like? Why would you rejoice in sufferings? He also says, knowing that suffering produces patience. As members of God's family, we have to have a different view, not only of suffering, but a different view of where joy comes from. It can come from the outside, but if the circumstances we are in do not produce events and circumstances that would lead to joy, the joy still has to be there coming from the inside. And then Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Paul was suffering when he's writing this. This is often called a prison epistle, written when Paul is in prison someplace. And yet, he's looking at his suffering as something joyful because of what it has led to people listening to him, reading what he writes and because of the family that he has out there members of God's family. Think back to Acts 16. We just read that verse a moment ago when Paul and Silas were in jail. When they were singing and happy in the middle of the night, the joy, as I have said, didn't come from the outside. It didn't come from their circumstances. It came from the inside. Now, when that joy comes from the inside, 
in a circumstance where no one else would probably be joyful, it can lead to all sorts of fabulous, wonderful outcomes. Acts 16.34, a few verses after Paul and Silas in jail, singing in the middle of the night, in between there's an earthquake, the chains fall off all the prisoners, the jailer comes out afraid they have all escaped, ready to kill himself, and Paul says, do yourself no harm, we're all here. The jailer comes in and says, men, what must I do to be saved? He can tell something's different about these people. He may have heard them in the marketplace earlier and not paid them any attention. They're now in his charge and because they don't run off like people usually would, trying to escape. The suffering that Paul and Silas went through, the response they had to that suffering lead to this. He, the jailer, took Paul and Silas up into his house and gave them some food to eat. He has just been baptized. He and his family were filled with joy because they now believed in God. The suffering of Paul and Silas led to a changed life for the jailer and his family, who were now full of joy. When I show joy in circumstances where I shouldn't feel it, it can be contagious. It can lead to other people coming to know God, the Spirit dwelling within them, and then they now are joyful. Even if it's not from an outside circumstance, that's the power of joy. Look again at these pictures. I'm trying to reinforce this because it's an important point today. What's the source of the joy that they have? It's the presence. It's the individual they're hugging right there. But the fruit of the Spirit which dwells within me, the fruit of the Spirit which dwells within me, that God has given me once I become a member of His family, the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you will, is given to all at their baptism. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. How does it come from the inside? As I've said, because the Spirit dwells within me. The Spirit dwells within me. Now, You've been noticing, I'm sure, the chariots up here. I'm going to have another attempt at waking everybody up and doing a little bit. But here's, here's where it switches to a little bit of that. It's probably going to be corny. I can't tell as a corny person. I can't tell how corny something's going to be. But my wife went on a hunt for me for that. Joy dishwashing liquid. It says it's actually non-ultra. So I guess it's not quite the fabulous joy that you could have. Non-ultra joy, lemon-scented dishwasher, dishwashing liquid, right? If I, by the way, I hope that wasn't the factory telling me not to open that. But I have it here. Now, on the outside, there's no joy there. Where's the joy that they're trying to market to? It's this yellow stuff. Where is the yellow stuff? It's on the inside. The only way this will lead to joy is going to be if what's on the inside comes out. That's why there's this top up here, right? Let me show you something else. This is an image of no joy, right? Now, obviously, that's a paper plate with some sort of stain that I left on it. Usually, I leave stains everywhere, but here are the stains on this paper plate. 
And I know it's paper, so it's not really going to work well when you think of washing it. But this could easily represent us before we became members of God's family. If we are members of God's family, because we had stains on us, we were sinful, we were engaging in behavior that needed to get washed away and changed. But it also, if you think about it from someone who is already a member of God's family, who has the spirit dwelling within them, who has joy, should have joy dwelling within them, could represent people who are around us. I don't know why they keep struggling. Really not standing on anything. It could represent people around us who aren't feeling very happy about their circumstances. Opening up this bottle of joy could let the joy out and might actually influence people around them. Right? How do you do that? If you're on a camp out, what do you do with messy dishes? You actually Wash them. And that's a time. Uh, Robbie, I'm sorry, I have no idea what usually belonged in this container. <laughs> it's got water in it now. But what you would do is you would take this plate, get some water on it, put a little joy on it, and the joy coming out is going to be what cleanses the plate. I could do it with water only. We used to have to wash the scouts when we were doing campouts because they might just throw dirt on it and say it was clean. But without the joy and the dishwashing liquid on there, it's, it's going to get this stain off of it a little bit. But if you did that day after day after day, this is going to be a really nasty thing to eat off of because who knows what would be growing on it. It's not really clean. Okay? Just hang in there with me. This is coming back. And it'll, I'll leave it there for now. Jesus said it this way. John 15, these things I have spoken to you that his joy, my joy, he says, may be in you and that your joy may be full. We should simply think of ourselves as joyful, full of joy. He may not have specifically, Jesus may not have specifically been referring to the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, but the Spirit dwelling within us is what has the fruit of joy, so it certainly fits the same idea of what Jesus is saying here. God's Spirit will generate joy within us that we need to show. Joy is also going to be present at the very end of our lives, at the end of everything. This is the ending of the book of Jude, Jude 24-25. It ends with this um, summary statement here. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory, with great joy. The only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. We are going to be presented before God, and it will be a time of great joy. Joy is something that ought to be in our lives from the moment we are born until the day we go home and be with God. And it was the reason for that is because when Jesus came, joy was promised. Jesus lived, joy was present when he went back. Joy is something that ought to be with us each and every day, no matter our circumstances. No matter our circumstances. Joy that is in the world tends to come from the outside. It does. Somebody's feeling down, we try to tell them, get out and do something. 
right? Get out and, and see some people. Go do something that you like. We're looking for something external to bring joy back into somebody's life. The difference in the Christian is that joy needs to come from the inside, right? It needs to be a fruit that's generated because our insides, as it were, are in fact now God living within us. Can anyone tell, based on my life, that I'm a member of God's family? Do I have joy that I leave behind me? You know, again, with the Spirit dwelling within us, it ought to generate fruit. We talked about love, and last week we had the apple. And here's an apple. I know that apple comes from an apple tree. When you see love in the life of someone, it ought to be if they were a Christian because God's dwelling within them. It ought to be the same with joy. Wake up on the wrong side of the bed, maybe crawl back in and try the other side. Because coming up and waking up and not showing joy in your day, not being the person that has an internal happiness that just seems to stay there, regardless of external circumstances, that's not the way we are supposed to be. We should be joyful. Paul and Silas have been beaten and were in jail and they were singing. It's a challenge for all of us. And I will raise my hand and say I'm often not so full of joy that everybody notices me. If you were a dwarf, would you be grumpy or happy? In conclusion, there's another illustration I want to use from this. This can also represent each of us with our sin. The mistakes and the choices that we have made on our own. And we're called to understand what Jesus has done for us, to believe that He is the Son of God, to understand God wants us to repent and to change, that God wants us to be baptized. And I talk about that every week. I make sure to mention that every week. What's the deal with baptism? Well, it is not water is simply trying to clean the top of the plate. It's not something, I mean, there's no soap in the baptistry behind us back here. It's not. But Paul is told to arise, be baptized, and wash his sins away. There wasn't some special soap when he was told to do that. There's no sin-washing soap, as it were. So as I took this plate and I put it in here in the water, as I said, it can get this this is tomato paste, right? You get that off of here, but it's not really cleaning. It takes, as it were, in baptism, water, just because God has told us to be buried in water, and it takes something else that occurs at the same time. In John chapter 3, Jesus said that we needed to be born of water and of the Spirit. So when someone is baptized, they are buried just as Jesus was buried and raised to walk in newness of life because they, when they are baptized, are born of water and the Spirit, and it has all sorts of results, love, in the life of this person who's been born again. And today, we we'll focus on joy. Now, if you're not feeling a ton of joy as a member of God's family, you can't fix that by saying, I need to be more joyful. That's not how it works. The only way to have more joy, to have more love in your life as a member of God's family is to get closer to God. To give the Spirit dwelling within us 
the opportunity to grow so that it will bear fruit. So I ask here to close this morning. If you're not yet a member of God's family, please don't let the day go by without changing that. It's so easy, and it's just so easy to do. God wants you to come home to Him. If you are a member of God's family, yet there hasn't been a lot of joy, there hasn't been a lot of love in your life, then the way to start that change in your life is to come and ask for prayer to get closer to God once again. If there's any way in which we can be of help to you today, please come as we stand